As I was beginning today, I um, uh, failed to mention something I totally intended to, and Isabel is sitting right there. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, those of us who were here, the youth group was, uh, it was Sunday night, Sunday night, last Sunday night, uh, those of us who were gathered here for worship, and then the youth group was in the fellowship hall, and they heard about it and got to come and to witness Isabel Ingalls' baptism by her dad, Craig, and uh, what a sweet and wonderful time that was, and we wanted to uh, congratulate her, thank her for sharing that with us, and that's a meaningful moment certainly in your life, but it was for all of us. Isabel's right. Is, you're not shy, are you? Would you stand up just for a moment so everybody knows who Isabel is, and thank you. Thanks, Isabel. Today, the portion of Scripture we want to spend a few moments with is the introductory remarks or opening of what we now call the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. So let's be standing, please, as we hear this, what we have commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yes, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the... Well, welcome. According to the latest Gallup poll, you are among the 43.1% of people in this nation who have chosen to attend worship today. Now, who are those 43.1%? And what is it that draws them to worship? Well, if we want to break it down a little bit, 47% of women in this country usually go to church on Sunday morning. We guys, we don't come up quite as well, just 39% of us. 55% of African Americans choose to attend worship most every Sunday. 46% of Hispanics, 41% of non-Hispanic whites. Now, it depends, too, where you live as to whether or not you're in the larger or smaller group that usually goes to church. If you live in the South, which includes the Bible Belt, and I guess, you know, Texas, we sometimes are West, sometimes we're South. I think in this, we're more South. But if you live in the South, 51% of people in the South usually go to church, 44% in the Midwest, 38% of those Yankees up there. But they're not the worst on the East Coast because only 37% of those in the Far West 
normally go to church. Of those who are married, 48% go to church on Sundays, 36% of those who are not married. For those of you who are Republicans, 55% of Republicans normally go to church. Democrats, well, lag behind a little, 39%. But if you're one of those people that like to to, uh, style yourself as an independent, watch out because only 38% of you choose to go to church. Of those over 65, 55%. Of those from 50 to 64, 43%. We're getting lower. 30 to 49, 41%. 18 to 29, 35%. Now, some people look at that and say, well, the younger generation, obviously church is just kind of dying away because the younger folks aren't going. But another way to look at that is as we get a little older, we get a little wiser. And as, you know, if you get a few years on us, maybe our our priorities begin to change a little bit. Well, it'd be interesting to know how these figures really uh, reflect this group that's gathered here today. I often think about what is it that draws people to come to church. And I think I've mentioned to you before, rather recently, that often as I'm standing up here and we're singing that last song before it's my turn, I I look out at you and, and I think about, well, who is here? And why are you here? What is it that's drawn you here? What is it that you want? But more importantly, what is it do you need? And I feel a great responsibility to try to provide at least some of what you came for and some of what you need. Now, I think Jesus was thinking some of those same thoughts in the story that we just read a moment ago in Scripture. As he was about to begin what is known as his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and there as he was walking up that hillside, and he turned and he sat down and he looked out over this huge crowd that had gathered. He was thinking about who is here? What's going on in their lives? What is it that they need? Now, we can somewhat come up with some of the demographics of that group that gathered on that hillside near the Sea of Galilee that day. If we back up just a little bit into chapter 4, we see that Jesus had begun his ministry throughout Galilee. Verse 23, he goes throughout all the synagogues preaching. So you know that he had some good church folks or synagogue folks that had begun following him because they had heard him preach in the synagogue and they thought, wow, that's really great. I want more of that. And so they began following him around and listening to him. But also listed up there is the fact that as Jesus began to minister to people and to heal people, that people with all kinds of diseases, and says every disease and every sickness, they came to him. Things like, like pains and, and epilepsy and being paralyzed, and even those who were afflicted by demon possession began to follow after him so that he would touch them and heal them. And the people that were bringing these people were there too, the ones who had carried those who were paralyzed and had helped those who had epilepsy and all the, the, those that cared about them and their support system, they came to Jesus as well. And you might stop and think that there they're all scattered out on that hillside 
And some of the people had been healed by Jesus and they were continuing to follow him. Other people had been brought and they were like, uh, maybe a paralyzed man was carried up and laid down on the ground. And someone sitting right next to him said, you know, yesterday I was in the same situation that you are. But this man up here, he has healed me. Also mentioned in this passage in chapter 4 is the fact that, that crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan began to follow him. In other words, Jews, near Jews, and out-and-out Gentiles were there. And if we look at other scriptures, we know that also as he looked out over that crowd, he saw some zealots out there. Do you know what zealots are? Zealots were the militants of the day. In some people's minds, they were the terrorists of the day. They were the people who were out to overthrow the government. And we know that some of them followed Jesus because Jesus even chose one of them to be one of his 12 apostles, Simon the Zealot. That's right. The Zealots were always packing heat wherever they went. They they always had a knife, a sword. They were ready for revolution at any moment. And they thought in Jesus, maybe it was going to get started. Maybe it would get rolling now. Maybe he would lead it. Or at least maybe he would incite the revolt that was needed to overthrow the government and set up a new regime. Also out there were Pharisees watching Jesus. They were the hyper-religious folks of the day. And they followed him around fact-checking uh, fact everything that he did and everything that he said. Was it the right thing to say? Was it the right thing to do? Also following him were some Sadducees. And the Sadducees were the government folks, and they were keeping an eye on all of this to see if the zealots were getting out of hand, to see if Jesus was really inciting people to fight against the government. They were there just to sort of keep an eye on things and to report back home what was going on. Also in the crowd were people that the Bible just calls sinners. Sometimes they're detailed like prostitutes, those dreaded tax collectors. They're all mingled in out there. And also in the crowd were just the common folks, the working folks, like those fishermen that he had just called to come and follow him. So when Jesus stood up there to preach the Sermon on the Mount, I know that our eyes are drawn to him and we want to hear what he has to say, but take a moment and just sort of scan over and look at all this hodgepodge of crowd that had gathered there, all coming to him with different motivations, different needs. And what is it that Jesus would say to them? Well, unlike me, who stands up here thinking, I don't know what all your needs are, Jesus knew what the people wanted. He knew what the people needed. And so he chose to begin his sermon in a very interesting way. He didn't tell some cute story just to sort of grab everybody's attention like some preachers do sometimes. Nor did he begin with a bunch of lame statistics that desperate preachers, you know, resort to at times. He knew what to say. He knew how to address their needs. And basically, this is what he did. He looked out there and he said, I see you. I see you and I know why you're here. I know what's going on in your lives. Those of you who are poor in spirit, those of you who are broken, 
Those of you who have run out of resources, physical resources, emotional resources, spiritual resources, when Luke reports this sermon, he says that Jesus said, blessed are the poor. I see the poor. I see those of you who are having trouble putting one foot in front of another that you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know if you can make it one more day. I see you out there, and I've got a message for you. You're in the right place. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven, wow, it's all about people just like you. And I see those of you who are in mourning right now, who are grieving, who are grieving the loss of a loved one, who are grieving over the loss of your own life that is slipping away, who are grieving over the situations that you are facing, who are grieving over your own sinfulness. I see those of you who are out there who are sad. And I've got something to say to you. You're in the right place. You are blessed. Because it is in the kingdom of heaven and only in the kingdom of heaven that you will find the comfort that you need. And those of you who are powerless in this world, the forgotten folks, the people who really have no say in what happens, those of you who are buffeted about by the forces around you, by spiritual forces, by political forces, by economic forces, by social forces, those of you that the world knows as the meek, you're in the right place. Because it's in the kingdom of heaven that you will gain power. It is in the kingdom of heaven that you will become somebody. It is in the kingdom of heaven that you will have an inheritance. In fact, in the kingdom of heaven, those of you who have had nothing in this world and no voice in this world, you will inherit the earth. And those of you who are out there who are just sick and tired of all the unfairness in this world, that it just rips your heart out when you see the injustices and how people are treated by other people. Those of you who hunger and thirst for things to be right. Those of you who hunger and thirst for justice to prevail. Those of you who want people to be treated fairly and equally with dignity and respect. Well, you're in the right place too. Blessed are you, because it is only in the kingdom of heaven that that kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, will ever be filled. And he says, I look out over you and I see that some of you that are here, you're people of the heart. You are people of mercy. You're the kind of people whose heart goes out to others that you love them, that you want to help them. You are filled with mercy. You are in the right place 
Because if there is one thing that the kingdom of heaven is all about, it is about mercy. And in the kingdom of heaven, you will not only be given opportunity to share your mercy, you will be encouraged to be merciful, not like out there in the world where you're encouraged to get what's yours and and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and vengeance. No, in the kingdom of heaven, we value mercy. And not only will you see mercy done, you yourselves will receive mercy, which doesn't always happen out there. Not only will you receive mercy from other people in the kingdom, most importantly, you will receive the mercy of God. And some of you out there I see, you are people who are pure in heart. You are the most sincere folks I've ever known. You are single-minded in your devotion to God. You are totally committed to Him. Blessed are you. And you're in the right place. Because in the kingdom of heaven, you will see God at work. You will see Him moving and changing lives. You will see Him as He touches other people. You will see Him as He brings people from all kinds of different backgrounds together and brings them into a family. Those of you who love God with that burning love and that singleness of mind and purpose and heart, blessed are you. For in the kingdom of heaven, you will see God. And blessed are you who love and value peace. Those of you who just want to get along. Those of you who are tired of the the pulling apart and the anger and the hate in the world. Those of you who work to bring people together. You're in the right place. For in the kingdom of heaven, peace is valued. Our God is a God of peace. And here in the kingdom of heaven, you will find peace. Peace with those others who share that same heart. And peace, most importantly, with God himself. And those of you who work to bring others together and others to God, you will be known as the children of God in the kingdom of heaven. And for those of you who get criticized for being here. Maybe even overtly some people say something about, oh, you're going to church. Oh, you're going, you know, you're one of those. And over the years we know that there have been people that not only suffer just emotional little barbs and abuses like most of us occasionally do, but there have been those that have had to stand up and suffer the physical abuse And yes, even death for their faith. And those of you who are willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven, you're in the right place. Blessed are you because your reward will be great in heaven. As Jesus began to list those people who are going to find great blessing in the kingdom of heaven. You know that in that group, there were hearts that were stirred. You know that amongst that huge crowd, 
people began to realize, how did he know that I was here? How did he know that that's what I was looking for? That's what I needed. Well, Jesus knew because he knew the hearts of all people. But we know that today you're all here too. Because these are the basic things that people need. This is why people are drawn to Jesus. This is why people are drawn to the kingdom. They come to him because they're poor. They come to him because they're sad. They come to him because they have lost their power. They come to him because they are hungry and thirsty for justice and righteousness. They come to him because they are merciful people who seek his own mercy. They come to him because they are pure and single-minded in their devotion to God. They come to him because they want peace. They come to him because he has offered a great reward. If you are here today, and that's what you're looking for, it's here. Because our Lord is here. And in a moment, we'll have some who are standing at the front and the sides. And I don't know how Jesus ended his sermon as far as an invitation. But I do know that when he was finished, the crowds came to him. And from him, they received a blessing. You can too.